Welcome to EdTech Adventures. Join us as we explore the role of technology, STEM, and creative play in education. With expert guests, we'll discover how learning is always an adventure. How can a simple application page turn away prospective students? Today, our guest Elise shares how she has used technology to help underserved students find the education they deserve. We'll explore how technology can be a powerful tool to support equity in education. Elisa's underprivileged childhood inspired her path to improve the education system for children in need. She understands the significance education has in the ability to stop cycles of generational poverty and has eliminated the gap between less fortunate children and accessible education. Redefine Ed Advisors offers strategic development for non-public and private schools to help schools grow funding for financial aid, scholarships, and enrollments. Elise is in the top 3% of women-owned businesses in revenue and has gone from $1,500 in monthly revenue to more than $1 million in less than a year. Thanks so much for joining our podcast, Elise. Thank you so much for having me, Charlotte. I'm excited to be here. Me too. I'm excited you're here too. Now let's start at the beginning of your journey. Could you describe a memorable education experience that you've had as a student? That's such a good question. I think my most memorable experience is one that taught me a lot about myself. I was always looked at as the defiant student. So when a teacher would give me a task, my first response would always be, why? And for many teachers, that was not what they wanted to hear. But what I found through one of my teachers, her name's Lynn Reeder, and she didn't see me as defiant. And when I asked why, it inspired her. And she realized that I was a student that needed to have purpose behind what I'm doing, or I can't do it to my fullest ability. So for me, that was incredibly memorable because so often, because I was seen as defiant by those questions, I had good intentions, but it wasn't coming off, you know, positively. I oftentimes doubted myself and beat myself up. And when I had a teacher that was really inspired and took that and explained to me the whys, it really, really was such a blessing. She was my English teacher and she's actually inspired me to write a memoir on my life. So I would have never done that without her. And so I feel very blessed to have had a teacher that did not see me as defiant, but someone that she could inspire and show me purpose. That's great. And, you know, you don't really need that many teachers to do that. It sounds like you just had that one teacher that validated and gave you the okay to ask questions, right? Yes, absolutely. It only takes one. I always say one simple act of kindness. And that we always say that's what my company was founded on, the belief that a simple act of kindness from a stranger can really transcend generations, changing the course for entire families across multiple decades. And that's what that teacher did for me. Now, from that experience, could you share how you then became interested in pursuing a career in education? Sure, absolutely. She was very much a catalyst for me believing in myself. But part of my story is coming from generational poverty, really falling through the cracks in public education. And there are millions and millions of children that thrive in public education, but it wasn't me. And again, I was just seen as such a defiant child. And maybe I was a little bit <laughs> outside of the purpose-driven student, but I became really passionate about 
making sure other kids like me that came from a poor family that experienced abuse or trauma and had this generational despair in their lives have the opportunity to go to a school that sees them as human, as potential, and finds their niche for them. Because had it not been for, you know, that teacher, I would not have believed in myself enough to go on and do any of the things that I've done. So I wanted to make sure that I made a mark on the world, one student at a time, to give them the opportunity that I was given and pass it on to as many as I can. Right. You hear the word equity talked about a lot in the field of education right now. How does equity play a role in the work that you're doing now? It's everything. It's everything that I do. It's everything that I'm passionate about. Equity is what we score ourselves on in how we assess our progress as a company, right? Are we moving that needle in equity for K-12 education? And if we're not, we're not doing a good job because that's our mission, right? So I think for equity in education, it's so important. Again, there are millions of kids that fall through the cracks in certain schools. And it's not just public, sometimes private or charter schools. It doesn't necessarily matter what type of school, but not one school is going to be the best fit for every child, right? And give them the tools that they may need. So being able to provide for us, we raise scholarship money. We've raised $8.5 million, which will impact 10,000 students over the next two years. Uh, which is phenomenal. And we're really excited about that because this gives low-income families, those students, they can go to a school and not have to pay that tuition. So it gives them access to a different option if the option that they're in right now is not necessarily working for them. So it is every part of what we do. And then a lot of the technology that we have in enrollment is something that we developed after we started raising all of these funds because we realized that there was really a gap in low-income families when they would go and look online at a school's website and they'd see the tuition. 96% of the time, those families leave that website without taking action because they see, just like my mom did, she would look at the private school's website. She'd see you know, tuition and think, I can't call them. The shame and the embarrassment of being told that this isn't a place for you, you can't afford it, really kept my mom away from pursuing that and looking into financial aid options, even though they were out there. So our technology allows us to unlock that 96% for each school that we work with. So now they can make the first outreach. I always say it brings the human element to the admissions process right? And so, yeah, it's it's everything that we do is to make education more equitable so that we can have a more robust world. When everyone has those opportunities, those resilient kids that are overcoming adversity day in and day out, they get that hand up that they need to become something great. That's an amazing story and amazing cause too. And it breaks my heart to hear about your mother being turned away from just the website alone. I was wondering if we could spend some time diving into the details of that. From your work and from your experience, what are some initial triggers for a parent who's looking at a private school site? What is turning them away? What did you learn was turning them away? And how were you able to use technology to fix that? 
There was a study by a company that really showed the number one driver is not that parents aren't considering different options, but they have this preconceived notion that it's unaffordable, even if they're low income, and especially when they're low income, right? So oftentimes, one of the first things that we see in looking at the data is those families that are considered low income, the first thing that they go to see is tuition, right? They don't look at the school, they look at the tuition because they don't want their hearts to be set on something that isn't obtainable for their children. And as a mom, I feel that, you know, I've, I've been poor, right? And I've been in those situations and I know the kind of heartbreak that you want so badly to give your children this opportunity and you don't want to get invested in it if you can't make it happen, right? So, so often in this data, you see them go and click on the admissions tab to see the tuition and right away, about 70% of them leave right after that. It's a huge percentage. So we really wanted to close the gap. And it, again, just re-solidified my experience as a child and reminded me of my mom and how that was the driving force behind her not looking into it because she worked hard. And my my mom's a stand-up human, you know, and a great person, but my family was just poor and we didn't want to be told again and again that, sorry, this life isn't for you. Yeah. What are some strategies that have worked to stop that 70 plus percent of parents walking away after they clicked admissions? Do you hide the value for a bit so they can digest it? What are some solutions you found? So there's two things. So yes, you build value first, right? And so you, you talk about financial aid before you talk about tuition, right? You should never put your cost of education because as soon as the family, I mean, the average cost in Pennsylvania, the state that I live, for even public school is almost $17,000 per student. That's a lot of money for K-12, right? So if you put that, what normal family can afford that? And then you have multiple kids, like that's an entire salary just alone. I'm scared. I hear that number and I'm scared. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But the truth is, it's very rare for families to pay that cost, right? There's fundraising, there's scholarships, there's the tax credit programs that we work in that sometimes fully fund the annual cost of education. But a family sees if you put that tuition in the top line, right? That person's never going to, you know, scroll, scroll down and, and see, oh, let me see the value that I'm getting for 17000 because it's just so wildly unobtainable. For them. So that's number one is obviously build the value, talk about financial aid options, about the percentage of families that, you know, receive financial aid. What's the actual average that parents pay? Because oftentimes it's like $100 a month in some of the schools that we work with, $100 a month, but their tuition's listed at $10,000, right? But families, you know, the average is so little. So that's number one, but also this technology we found the capability to append and identify data, even if someone doesn't leave their information. And again, right now, private schools and non-public schools, we know that only 4%, 4% of interested families that look up another school on the website, only 4% take the first action by applying you know, filling out a form or leaving their contact information. So 
Currently in the admissions process across the US, there are non-public and private schools that are out there trying to grow enrollment off 4%. No wonder it's hard, right? I mean, it's an uphill battle. So this technology, now that we are able to, for schools, identify real-time enrollment leads. So when someone comes to that website and they click, whether they leave their info or not, we know who they are. And so this gives us the opportunity to add them to a financial aid email, right? A financial aid night invite, those types of things and lead with the human element of the admissions process. And I, I always say to my staff, our technology brings love to the admissions process. Instead of it being so cold and look, this is the number, we're not going to discuss financial aid with you first. We're just going to tell you the number. And if you reach out, great. If you don't, great. Right. And I think that, again, coming from someone that was born in generational poverty that really struggled financially growing up, I just don't think that that's fair. And when we talk about equity, how do we level the playing field? Well, we level the playing field by getting those parents that, hey, they're looking for a reason at a different school, which means their child may be struggling or maybe they're really gifted in coding or math and their school doesn't necessarily have strong scores in that subject, right? We want those families to know it's possible and it's not this top number. So we've seen just a great difference. And as you can imagine, it's I always say it's a numbers game, really. So right now they're trying to grow admissions off 4%. What happens when they have the full 100%? That's a game changer. So now the technology, when they go to the website, they have to say, like, share your location. As long as they click that, it's about a 70% rate, 70, 75% that someone clicks, like you can use my location. And once they do that, then we're allowed to get their information. Otherwise, we are not able to get that data. Right. I mean, we want to observe everyone's privacy preferences. Privacy laws. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think it's so interesting because if they do elect to share that information, they're getting a more personalized conversation. Like you said, you're adding the humanity back into the application process. And the other piece of having data-driven technology like this, on our end, we're starting to do that more when we're coming to talking about equity and diversity and inclusion. Because you can say, we did all of these things to make our content more inclusive and more equitable. But unless you have data to back it up and prove it, how do you know if the strategies are working, right? 100%. And that's one of the things that I love about this process as well is from doing this, oftentimes schools, especially private schools or non-public schools, they struggle with like staffing, right? And so they'll have, you know, 10 possible potential students, they'll tour, and let's say five of those students convert into an enrollment, right? And they sign up to enroll. But this gives us the ability to really track that conversion rate too, and give those schools, okay, if you're getting 50 inquiries now a month, right? And only 10% of those are converting into enrollment, then your school's not highlighting what they're good at or maybe doesn't offer what the community is looking for, right? And that's a hard truth sometimes. Or that the person that's giving the tour isn't giving it in the perspective of a parent or student, right? And so I love that not only does it give them the ability to grow enrollment, but it also gives them the ability to really track better, to see where is there a breakdown if there is one. 
Right. It helps them bring more focus mm -hmm. into what to work on next and what to improve, right? 100%. Yes. Now, I've visited many different kinds of schools, private schools, et cetera. Let's say you're even a private school that, hey, most of our students are at the 1% of mm -hmm. like economic population. Why should even that school care about equity in education? You've come from your background. I come from like a wide variety of teaching, but why should everyone care about having equity in education? Based on a recent study, the number one thing that parents are looking for in their child's school is their child and their school setting their child up to compete in a globally diverse world. So in 2021, the NCEA published that report. It's a wonderful report. I suggest really any non-public and private school to look that up. It's through FATICA and NCEA, but that is what they're looking for. And if this 1%, and there are some out there, right? Not some, there's a lot. But if they're not you know, involving their students in the real world, then how are they going to make change in the real world, right? Because one of the biggest differentiators in the last, you know, generation is it has been more connected. For most jobs, you can't just go to work at a computer and like not talk to anyone all day, right? And so it's really important to be successful in this world to work with people. And you can't work with people successfully if you've only been around one type of person, you know? So I think that's why they need to pay attention to this. I cannot agree more. And just for an example, here at Code Combat, we're 100% remote. And I've been in meetings where it's four different time zones because we've got an engineer in Serbia, it's me in San Francisco, someone else in India, and we're trying to find a time that elapses. But the thing is, like, you're crossing cultural boundaries, but you're also gaining all those different perspectives when you're working on a project together. And for us, that's where we found like the most innovation when we have those diverse mm -hmm. perspectives in the conversation. So I see that benefit too. And also it breaks my heart to think about all of the potential amazing students we lose, right? Yes. If we don't focus on equity. 100%. Yes. Are there some examples or like hero stories of students or parents that you've worked with that have been able to have a successor because of your program and the technology? Yes, absolutely. First, we actually had a school. It's my local school. And it was interesting, my local private school. And we actually beta tested this like technology with them, right? And we just did it completely free because I was like, I mean, I think I got this, but let me just check. Are you willing? And they're a very small school, so small that they had 31 students, okay, starting. So that's why I could like afford to beta test it with them. <laughs> but they grew by 53% in four months. That's huge for them. Like that's huge. So you think about, you know, again, smaller numbers. So the percentage is high, but they're succeeding, right? And they've gotten, I don't know, 17 students or something like that in the first four or five months that they implemented this technology. Our public school is incredible with reading and math phenomenal, right? But the local private school realized that the public school was below the grade in science. So they created their own STEM lab. And the students that this school picked up were ones that were mostly interested in science. And so it's really cool to see this elementary school, right? This elementary school starting to develop this passion for these students that were interested in it, and now they're going to be able to explore that in the STEM lab and the STEM program that they have. I just think it's 
phenomenal to see that difference. And I had a mom that I was introduced to and we quickly kind of became friends and her son was really struggling and she's in school for her doctorate, right? But she's working part-time and her husband works at a local college, not making a lot of money, but it is what it is, right? And there was no way they were gonna be able to financially get him out of, his name's Levi, he's so sweet, and no way to get him out of the school that he was in. But through our company, we were able to cover his $13,000 a year tuition. And it has changed his life. Genuinely, he's now two years in and he is just thriving. And you can see it in his face when you see him. You can see it in his parents' face, the joy. And to be able to connect that and give them the ability to reach that opportunity when otherwise they would not have been able to brings us joy and is why we do what we do. So it is, it's really cool to see those stories. It almost circles back to your student experience where you just didn't feel seen, right? Or given permission to be the kind of learner that you wanted to be. And now you're able to help kids find that home. Yes. And I think I always say this, like when you are always seen, and Levi was (laughs) always seen as like that defiant kid, right? Because he really was just outside of the box, right? And he was always kind of treated like I was in school where that was a bad thing. After a while, when you hear that, it really does a number on your self-confidence in the beliefs that you have in yourself and genuinely impacts your life decisions. And it brings me such immense joy when I see another child be seen and be told that it's not a bad thing to think outside of the box, right? That they're not necessarily defiant in a bad way but there's just a different path to get there. Right. Where in one school is considered a weakness, you're Mm -hmm. helping them find a school where it's considered a strength, right? 100%. Yes, absolutely. My husband barely graduated high school because he was also a defiant out-of-the-box thinker. Yes. And he he found when he actually went into full-time work as an engineer, that's where he thrived because that all of a sudden became a strength. And I feel like if kids could see that validation earlier on, it's it's so powerful. Yes, absolutely. It took me until I was 30 years old to realize like I had any value at all. Like those teachers did a number on me. <laughs> oh gosh. Like no, yeah. it, it is... <laughs> but now Levi, how old is he? He already knows. He right? is, yeah, he is 10 now. Yeah. It's just really cool to see. That's it's... awesome. He's got a 20 years head start on you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> now let's look into the future here. When it comes to equity. Combined with technology, how could tools like the ones you're building impact the future of ed tech? And that's such a good question, Charlotte. When it comes to equity, the first thing that you think about is not technology, right? It's so far down on the list. And what we really want to do with our company is show that technology plays a vital role in bringing equity to certain spaces. And especially in education, it can play an immense role. So for us, when I look at it, I think, you know, yes, we've had 53% at one school in enrollment growth, but we've had schools that have 18% and 80% of those in new enrollment is low income. So that's a huge impact to see this technology having a difference in families understanding that there's financial aid and being able to obtain that financial aid. So I hope that 
other companies. And I think we'll see a lot more of it as the years go by, because I know that what our technology does, it's cutting edge. And it's really genuinely reshaping the admissions process as we know it. That's what this does. And it's technology that's driving that. So I'm really excited into the future to see what other companies do and how they apply technology to build more equity in education. Because like I said, it's so necessary and it's doable. We can do this. If we all work together and apply it in innovative ways, we really can, what I say, change the world. That's so inspiring. And just the idea that we can make this education process more approachable, more personalized with this technology so that all the kids can be reached, right? That's everyone's goal. I see it in the future, especially with people working on projects like you are. Last question for you here is what advice would you give to someone who's interested in bringing equity in education? First thing is you have to, number one, be passionate about it, right? So if you're interested but not really committed, you have to be committed as well. I always say interested doesn't ever cut it with me. <laughs> you have to be committed. So if you are really committed to that, there's lots of different steps that you can do. For example, our technology program, it's $299 a month. That's it, right? So that is a very small, simple way, especially for a big school, to really make an investment into equity and building that for their school. But oftentimes, it's about looking at what do families that face adversity or that are maybe not within your normal student, what are those families needing? Change your curriculum. Look at or very much assess what classes you're offering or what languages you have available at your school. So there is a time when if you're looking to bring equity, you need to reflect on the reality of your school and the reality of the communities that surround you and ask yourself, is your school serving all of those communities? If they're not, then be committed for that answer to be, yes, we are serving all of the communities around us, not just one. I love that reminder that commitment is so important over just passing interest. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> this is a long road, right? This kind of work is a long road, but boy, does it pay off if you get to the end. Oh, it does. Yes. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being a part of our podcast again, Elise. Yes. Thank you so much, Charlie. It was a great conversation. Thanks for listening to EdTech Adventures. Please subscribe to catch more of our episodes and leave a review to support the show. For more resources and info, visit us at codecombat.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte Chang. We'll see you on our next learning adventure.